0: The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help support the show by clicking on the Donate button on the website or in the show notes. This is ENX, and this is The Candid Frame. A few announcements. I will be in Seattle, Washington on October 6th through 7th attending the PICS 2015 Photo Expo. Being held at the Seattle Center, the event is going to showcase a host of great photographers doing presentations, as well as manufacturers sharing their latest wares. Rinzi Ruiz and I will be leading a photo walk sponsored by Samsung while we're there. So if you are in the vicinity, come and join us and make sure to say hello. You can find out more by visiting Pix2015.com. And on October 10th, I'll be leading a one-day street photography workshop in Los Angeles. It's being held through the Los Angeles Center of Photography, formerly the Julia Dean Photography Workshops. We not only spend time making photographs, but we also spend time evaluating the images afterwards, providing you more than you'll ever get from just a a photo walk. Register now while spaces are still available by visiting JuliaDean.com. Street portraiture is a challenging but incredibly satisfying genre of photography for those who practice it. It's an opportunity to approach a complete stranger and introduce yourself to their world for just a moment. With camera in hand, you have the opportunity to produce a photograph that's hopefully beautiful, interesting, and reveals something unexpected about them and maybe even yourself. But it's not an easy thing to do well. There are tens of thousands of examples online where the photographer produces an image that really doesn't say anything, and it has nothing to do with the camera or the light or the lens. It's just that the photographer wasn't thinking beyond simply getting the shot. That's not a problem for Sean Theodore, who is known on Instagram as Exist, lowercase X, capital S and T. He loves and respects his subjects, which is clearly evident in the photographs that he creates. He not only makes beautiful portraits, but he also affords the people and the communities that they live in a sense of dignity that's rare in the genre of photography. He's saying something in these photographs, and we should certainly be listening. So how are things out east? Uh, You know,
1: change of season, people are uh, changing. (laughs) So (laughs) it changes what I do a bit. You know, you get more people uh, covering up and kind of changes the language of what what I'm eventually going to be shooting. So it changes a a lot in the nature of how I look to do the work that I'm doing. So I I try to do more uh, intentional work, like fashion work and, and things like that. Street shooting in the fall over here is hoodies and hats and (laughs) you know everyone looks the same
0: oh yeah yeah (laughs) everyone's trying to keep warm right yeah yeah
1: (laughs) and you can't blame them i mean it's it's a, a rapid change from uh you know really hot summer to you know some really cold uh fall weather is starting to hit us now
0: yeah it drops one degree below 70 here and everyone's freezing Mm mm. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll
1: take that any day. I'll take that all year round. <laughs> That's my kind of weather.
0: Well, I l- I love the work, man. Uh, I got, oh, thank you, uh, thank just, you. Just 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 wonderful stuff. So I'm really pleased that you joined me today.
1: Well, you know, I appreciate being asked to uh, to talk about it, and you know, and just you know, just the fact that it's recognized by. One person means a lot to me, so thank you.
0: Well, I, I wanted to start off um, by talking to you about uh, Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man because I was reading that that was a source of inspiration for you as as with respect to your photography, and I, I and I'd like to hear a little bit more uh, about what it was about that book that that influenced you visually.
1: Well, for me, it was. Um, I began rereading it at a time when I felt the most closely uh, related to the idea of being invisible. I was living in Park Slope. Uh, I was, you know, enjoying you know the the trappings of the life there. It was pretty pretty laid back, and you know, surrounded by a lot of affluent people, and and I, and I just really had had a lot of issue with being feeling invisible or feeling sort of uh, maligned in some kind of way and not in an intentional uh, way at all, but I, I would go from Park Slope and then go to visit Crown Heights or Fort Greene and the amount of – its it's like I would come into view with my own people, you know, mm-hmm. as I would go back across, you know, into Park Slope you know i felt a lot of my self and soul was left back in in the place that i had just visited so in rereading the book i started to just kind of compartmentalize certain aspects of it the cultural aspects of it and i decided to try to capture how i felt and that was that's what led me to start walking around and snapping pictures to kind of later on give myself a visual sort of a, you know, a notebook of of the things that I was seeing and why was I feeling this way and comparing what I saw in Park Slope, you know, to the things that I would be, you know, able to, you know, be a part of in, in Crown Heights, in, in Fort Greene. And, and it just made me kind of aware of, <laughs> of, of no matter how far I sort of, you know, um, excelled in my life to, you know, the, the trappings of my life. I I was invisible wherever I, wherever I went in Park Slope. So, you know, it, it gave me a context and I, you know, of course took it a bit, you know, out of context, but, you know, it gave me something to start to sort of anchor my work in. And that's where, from that, it led to me doing more research, uh, you know, at the time of more, you know, stronger writers and uh, not stronger, but, you know, just more radical writers. And then I started to look at the art of the uh, Harlem Renaissance again. And I started to see sort of parallels in my life beginning to form. Like things started to coalesce. And I was like, wow, I think I'm in, in a space where I can create again, because that was the whole point of me being, you know, taking this time away from, you know, a stressful life. I just wanted to kind of chill out for a while, but I wanted to also get back into, you know, my my creative life. So I started to see all the, you know, the stars aligning. I was like, this could be an interesting thing to just examine black life at the moment and what is what is it to have you know, this, this life right now. And that's six years ago. And then it began to shape and form into, you know, the, the sense of isolation a lot of times Mm -hmm. that people see in, in my photography, but also the sense of strength because we are a survivor's race. You know, we, we tend to survive no matter how, however many things have occurred to us, we survive. So it's portraits of people, but it's also a portrait of survivors and what do survivors do in that sort of quiet, you know, solitude moment.
0: During that time in Park Slum, it seems that you weren't seeing your face being reflected in the people around you. And I think that, not that not was that was part of it. So yeah. I think that kind of leads to a sort of self consciousness.
1: Yeah, it, it made me very aware of myself. Um, you know, I, I didn't see me so much, and when I did, it was, it was kind of, <laughs> it was a bit standoffish at times. Like the people in the neighborhood that were African American or African descent, um, they weren't as warm and inviting as I thought they could or should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, there's models and singers and. You know, I think they they appreciated that that same level of insulation because maybe, and this is just what I kind of think about looking back on that time. Maybe they needed the space and maybe they needed the isolation to balance, you know, a celebrity lifestyle with some sort of anonymity. Anim- you know, but for me, it wasn't. You know, I'm I'm used to living in neighborhoods where you know people know you know, you live in row homes in Philadelphia, you know, everybody, you know, you know what goes on five houses down, you know? So it was a, it was a dramatic shift in the, in the way I thought about myself and, you know, moving myself into a neighborhood where, you know, that, that just wasn't the norm.
0: It it seems quite the irony that, you know, we who come up from those kind of communities aspire to become people who are identified for who we are and what we do and not so much by the color of our skin. Yet when we find ourselves in communities like that, we ourselves become almost preoccupied with that perception. And I think part of and you know, I, I may be extrapolating a bit too much, but I think sometimes why there's a, a resistance in in that kind of environment to readily acknowledge and and other black people is that we don't want to be seen as, oh, those are the black folks. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're struggling right, right, to, right. To, to to create this identity that is so separate from our blackness mm-hmm. that somehow we see the presence of other, other people living in our community that's dominated by others as uh, a slipping back that people are going to look at us in the very way where we're trying to avoid being looked at. And maybe that's just me, but I was just wondering what, what your thoughts on that are.
1: I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. We, we, we tend to pull together or we tend to, you know, shy away. And with the inclusion of a new face, there's, there's a great many things to, to have to wonder about, you know, how do you qualify this person who just happened to move into the neighborhood and, you know nothing of them and they're not famous and they're they're polite, but they're also kind of uh just just you have to kind of keep your distance, you know. You kinda of keep your distance until you're one hundred percent sure that politeness is going to be um you know, rewarded with some level of, you know, understanding of who that person is.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Do you find that when you go back to those communities in Philadelphia, that that whole dynamic is very different?
1: Well, you know, Philadelphia for me is my, my benchmark. Um, it hasn't changed in the neighborhoods that I'm aware of and the neighborhoods that I'm accustomed to going in and visiting. They haven't changed from when I was much younger. Uh, and that that is to me. In, in one, on one hand, it's charming, and on the other hand, it's alarming, because things when things don't change in these in these neighborhoods, when there's no sort of internal upheaval to make things better or to improve things, you know, it, it seems like it starts to fall apart. And I mean that there's a great deal of reasons around that, you know, institutionalized racism, not being able to, you know, get a home loan or, you know, the taxes are too heavy and you, you know, you lose your house. And eventually you start to see in the neighborhoods, one house, you know, is vacant. And then slowly but surely one house is three houses on a block and house has to get torn down and the the other three go with it. And then there's this gap and this you know, this, this space and then where the change comes in is like, oh, well, you know, we don't want abandonment. We don't want that there. But the scary thing that happens is you get people who come in and raise the tax base up again by building, you know, extraordinary homes and they don't pay taxes and you're raising the taxes of the neighbors around you, you know and there's the conflict of that you you can literally drive through areas of north philadelphia where on one side it's homes that were built in the 1920s and families who have lived there you know and handing them down you know since the the end of the great migration to to present time and then right across the street you have these sort of modern homes and you know these uh <laughs> you know or college students you know and they're not invested in the neighborhood. They're not. They're not terribly, uh, you know, aware of the nuance of what it means to even live in a neighborhood. They may. They may come from areas where, you know, this, you know, neighborly behavior isn't the norm mm-hmm. because of the space between their houses or the the way that they've actually, you know, lived their entire lives. So it's hard to walk down a block now in certain areas and not feel the tension or not feel pain at the same time because you see you see people being pushed out you see elderly people sitting on their steps and being disrespected by you know certain behavior things that made the neighborhood what it was Self-policing, self policing self self curbing you know it doesn't matter to the people who occupy the, the new spaces and and they just, they just don't see their impact. And, and that's a lot of what I've been, I've been seeing now. I mean, there's still a lot of areas in Philadelphia that remain traditionally um, one ethnic group or predominant religious group. I mean, it's a very segregated city. This is, this is part of the reason that I wanted to come back to Philadelphia is because the, the deep amount of segregation that I remember experiencing in my life. I'm 44 now. And I was a part of, you know, busing, you know, and you know, the desegregation of schools in the Northeast. And, <laughs> you know, it's only until recently that, you know, areas where people are now gentrifying and, and moving into, I remember in my lifetime, houses being firebombed when, you know, people moved into a certain neighborhood and they weren't welcome. You know, I remember those kinds of things, like, Things that you know feel like they should be in a black and white photo inside of a textbook, yeah. and not a part of your own memory, but those are things that I remember.
0: Now, how is how is this awareness of how things are changing and also how they were influencing how you're choosing to to photograph the community, community and the people that live there?
1: Well, you know, I'm. It, it makes me. It makes me, well, it makes me hyper-aware, as we talked about before. You know, I'm, I'm more aware of a type of, you know, and it's, it sort of beckons to the, to the notion of soul or vibe. And <laughs> you kind of get a vibe from a person or someone that you might see that's of interest to you. And, of course, there's, you know, certain people that I always specifically look for. I look to, to shoot young black men. For sure, um, because they are the most targeted in a lot of w- in a lot of ways, um, a lot of blame falls on their back, a lot of you know of anger uh, is either appropriately or unjustly placed on them, so giving them a voice is an important thing, and finding finding the right subjects to to give voice to that to give voice to their own, that just their existence. Um, Elderly people are important as well because they represent sort of a last hold on what was, you know? So there's this flux between young black men and some, and most, most times older black women, you know, elderly black women that I kind of bridge between because they're the extremes. And it's, it's funny when I talk to either either group, a lot of what they say is exactly the same. You know, they both have worry and both have fear about what tomorrow may bring. And it's not necessarily always about the neighborhood because for whatever reason, they're not always concerned about, you know, the the, the sort of things that are pushing in into the neighborhood until it becomes so great that you can't avoid it. I I don't I think from being on the inside looking out it's harder to see it coming. But um it, it guides me. That's that's the way that I look at it. I try to find my extremes. And in my extremes then there's the conversations uh with folks and it, it leads me into other nuanced you know I I I think of them as as characters in the, in a very great story. But these subjects give me the nuance of what's happening between my extremes.
0: You say you, you're looking for a certain quality in, in the character, of the characters that you photograph. But in, in a lot of the images, you obscure um, details of their face, their features by really strong mm-hmm. shadow. So they, they aren't so much an individual as more... Uh, um, more of a sort of a symbolic representation right and yeah what what's yeah. what's that about because you're, you're you're drawn to their individuality but you're choosing to photograph them in a way that sort of strips some of that at the same time
1: it, it comes from the conversation um, if I have a chance to discuss uh, you know any of the things that drive me and and I bring them to an awareness it there's there's a few ways I, I tell them what I'm doing. And if they're, if they're cool with it, you know, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you can show my face. Some people, plain and simple, just don't want their faces shown. But I can show them right there on the spot, like, Well, I really like the way you are moving in this space. Let me show you what I can do with this photo. And l- a lot of times I'm looking for that silhouetted moment to sort of bring it out. So mm-hmm. even when I'm approaching a subject, I've already probably shot maybe four to somewhere between four and 10 candid shots before I even start talking. And that gives me the natural sort of look that a lot of the shots have. Okay. And then I'll do a portrait if they're cool with it. And then after that, I'm still shooting candidly, quietly. (laughs) I'm still shooting because now there's, there's a different rapport going on. So the body language is different. And, and even, even the way that they're, they're talking to me is different after a portrait after a portrait is that's that's when everyone's happy and there's this sort of uncertainty and nervousness I like about the moments before the portrait where you don't know me I don't know you I'm just another black guy on the street digging into my pocket and it may alarm you (laughs) 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 or I'm looking at you you know I might be looking at you wrong you know I might be looking at you in quote-unquote the wrong way, and that's you know these are the these are the ways that I've actually come to have discussion with people, and you know once once I you know alleviate all the worry and you know sometimes even you know it may escalate beyond you know like what are you taking pictures for Are you a cop it you know it goes to you know all these different extremes. Once we get past all of that, there's a general ease that that kind of comes over it. But I say all that to say. To the silhouette is an important feature for me in my photography because I want to be sure that yes, it's an individualized story that I might be picking up or a moment, but I want when I go back out into the street that I can share this sort of commonality. And a lot of it's so funny when I show somebody a silhouette, sometimes they see so much in the silhouette. Like I don't know what it means psychologically to look at a silhouette and to be drawn to it but it it seems to bring so much out of people in the moment when I'm showing them the previous silhouette or you know other ones that I've shot it's actually a lot stronger but I get stronger rea- reactions from that than, <laughs> than than when I actually shoot a portrait and show them
0: that's interesting Uh, One of the statements you've made is that you love your subjects. And why is that important to you?
1: It's important to, (laughs) there's a a lot to, to, to being able to love people, you know, and, and if you give love, you get love. And for me, it's, it's how I'm able to do what I do. It's, it keeps me. It keeps me motivated. Love literally keeps me motivated in this. And when I talk to someone, if I if I walk up and I treat them as if I've already known them for 10 years. And it it's so much it makes it so much easier when you just instead of approaching someone with an uncertainty and it disarms them. And it makes them feel okay right there in that moment. And sometimes that might be the only okay moment in their day, you know? So for me, it's important. You know, I want them to feel loved. Like, I don't know if they have that. I don't know if they've experienced a brotherly love or, you know, if I walk into a a situation where they're, you know, a group of people, you know, and they're sort of disjointed group, like on a bus stop, I'll start up a conversation on the bus stop and, you know, pull out, you know, my mini portfolio and ask people what they think. And tell them, you know, what I'm doing, and you know, expressing love, and and trying to, you know, at least seed something forward, you know. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, I guess it's my path. Like I guess it's a part of my path. Like I want people to be more loving to one another out here, you know. I see people just being very separate and distant, and intergenerate intergenerationally diff- different. And to one another, they're just distant, you know, and i don't think that's I don't think that's a necessary thing that we have to happen or or have to tolerate. you know I think it's something that we should try to overcome, and you know if we can you know as as a race as a people, if we can start loving one another and being taught from a stranger that hey, I could just walk up to you and have a conversation it's cool you know i I was in Baltimore. A couple weeks back, <laughs> and I saw a young guy, and he was standing kind of in the street, right? And, you know, he was a typical young guy, tank top, you know, jeans sagging, just kind of chill. And he was pointing at the street as the cars were going by. Like, he was, you know, pointing down, like, you know, like, like almost like he was shaking salt. Okay. And I watched him doing this for a few minutes and then I, you know, shouted over to him. I was like, yo, yo, young boy. You know, I I was like, I told him flat out. I was like, yo, I'm from Philly, man. What is that? (laughs) You know, like, I was like, I know this has to be something. You've been doing it for a while. I was like, I'm from Philly, man. Come on over here. Rap to me for a second. So he comes over and he's like, you know, he shakes my hand. We just talking and he's like, yeah, this is how we try to get a hat cab down here. And, you know, this is a hacking is a big thing in all these metropolitan cities, just, you know, you need a ride somewhere, you only got five bucks, someone might need five bucks worth of gas. That's the, that's the hand sign to get somebody to give you a ride. But in Philly, it works the other way around, you know? So in Philly, you can just walk on a corner, any corner, you hear guys screaming out, hack cab, hack cab. So when I tell him that, he laughs, he's like, man, that doesn't, that would never work,
0: <laughs> you know, but
1: I'm able to share a, a common experience, like how we see a common experience or a common service in our neighborhoods. It's, it's expressed differently. And even the way that it's attained is, is, is done differently. So it, it's an, it was an interesting thing to share that moment with him. And now, you know, I, I found out all about him. He found out about me, you know, and I was like, you know, you live around the way here. I work close to here. And, you know, we, we just had this great rapport. And, you know, that was cool. And I saw him after that just shouted out, yo, what's up, Ty? How you doing? You know, and that's love. Yeah, That's amazing right there. Like, I wouldn't have known that. But also now I have someone when I'm walking through the neighborhood around, you know, North Charles. I, I know I know somebody now. And that's a big thing for me.
0: I love those moments. and and, and the camera and the camera gives them to you and that's just great because you know otherwise you would just pass each other on the street and not say anything to each other but yeah the camera provides us the avenue to connect and i didn't even get his
1: picture i just wanted to know (laughs) (laughs) you know i for me it's a matter of he knows i'm a photographer so the next time i see him You know, I'll probably get a good shot with him. That's super relaxed and comfortable. And it'll be, it it speaks to a different level of connection that I have with this individual in this community. And he might then open the door for me to do more of what I do on his block. And that's important because, you, you know, these are street portraits. And my end goal is the environmental portrait. And a lot of people are like, oh, the environmental portrait. Well, you know, you, you go into people's houses and you shoot like that. I'm, not necessarily. Sometimes the environment is just your your front step. It's where you feel the most comfortable. It's your true environment. You know, if you're out all the time, an environmental portrait is not going to be in your living room. Yeah. You know, it's where you are the most comfortable. And that's that's kind of what it is for me.
0: You know, And that's one of the things I like about your, your, your photographs, because you use these very striking colors as your backdrops, mm. uh, what you find in the various buildings in these communities. And I take a look at that, and I certainly love it, the way that you use the color. But it also, for me, is very telling of the communities that you're photographing in, because those kind of colors uh, don't exist in the suburbs.
1: Oh, no. You
0: know, those kind no. of colors You are, have to
1: go through all kinds of zoning to get… A red shutter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I walk, drive around L.A., and if I'm going through a Hispanic neighborhood like Highland Park or Boyle Heights or South L.A. or, you know, any area like that, it is just awash in these strong, saturated, mm-hmm. paunchy colors. And mm-hmm. and I love that stuff, especially when the light is hitting it, you know, really beautifully. But I go, that is such an indication of the culture and basically the the setting, the backdrop yeah. for the community. And I love the way that that you reveal the community not by showing the architecture, right. but by using the the color as a setting for your for your portraits. And that's just just marvelous.
1: Thanks. And 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 it's, it's funny, I I've really gone out of my way to try to find common threads, the common threads of color in our communities. You know, be it Latino community, black community, even the Asian community has their their colors, you know, and the things that signify where you are, what you and what you're about to walk into, like what this zone is. Mm -hmm. And I have a running sort of bet with with a friend of mine. She's a model. And we have (laughs) the running bet is what is the predominant color of the bodega (laughs) 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 The predominant color in my book? has always been yellow you know i'm like hey every time i see a bodega it's mostly yellow Mm -hmm. and she's like that's you know i see him in lime green and then now there's this whole shift in philadelphia where the bodegas are switching to orange and blue so it's it's really kind of funny to see that this is a trend that is happening with these corner stores if if they are of one race, and what is driving that color choice, and it's fascinating to me to 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 even see it changing, because I mean this is within a six year span. Like w- at one point it was all yellow, and, you know. Now they're like they, this blue and orange combination. I, I'm like I, I would love to know more about it, but you know I I leave it be a lot. I, I leave it where it is, you know, because it's just fun to 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 find these spaces, and the shutters are important and the brick is important. And a lot of times I utilize the, the shutters to sort of express the moment. If I get a shot of someone against shutters, I'm telling you that they were moving. I, I never get anyone to stand still on shutters. Mm-hmm. So if you see a shutter shot, it's usually someone that was moving across my space. And if it's against concrete, I got them to stay still. And I try to, you know, have that in a lot of the shots you know the when it happens and and sometimes it's you know it you know it flip-flops someone will actually stop and ask me what i'm doing (laughs) 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 you know standing there waiting for them to come by but you know i i get the shot and the color is is important because a lot of times it'll dictate how things will sort of play out you know some people react to the space and the color of the environment right there mm-hmm. and you know you you can't avoid it it's just human nature it's side deep psychology and color theory. people will have a a natural reaction to a situation if they're surrounded by an entire wall of red you know they're they're feeling a certain type of way, and you know yellow brings I've, I've never had a, a normal conversation in front of a yellow wall. <laughs> you know? it, it's, it's been really interesting just to kind of look back on all the moments and how the color has dictated what has happened.
0: You know, one of the things about color, especially when you're using such strong, saturated color, is that the color itself can dominate the, the shot mm-hmm. and, and become a distraction but you were really effectively in creating this nice balance between your subject and your background. What, what was the hardest part for you in learning to effectively use color in these, in these portraits?
1: For me, it's about uh, color comes first and then it's uh, composition. Composition will really dictate a good shot for me. Um, if you have a really strong composition, the, the color – is a supporting character mm-hmm. in that image and, and it won't run amok. Um, I, I study a lot of uh, Renaissance paintings, the Baroque period, especially. I love the Baroque period. I love art. So I started to seek out these moments. You know, it, it's kind of funny for me. It's a lot of people run and gun when they shoot mm-hmm. and they'll just be, you know, they shoot whatever the moment gives them. And I'm kind of waiting for these floating sort of sculptural moments that the human body can find itself in, in between steps a lot of times. And if you can capture that and then compose the shot well, it, it there's an elegance to it. And it's an elegance that, I, I would say, it's an elegance that you don't see a lot of at all in street photography. And that's what... I wanted to. I wanted to set myself apart. I wanted to feel like this was a little bit more painterly, not just in, you know, the finished sort of technique and in the, in the edit, but I wanted the moment to feel. I wanted the moment to feel like it was a painted moment, and I I, I I literally lay all of that on studying compositions, classic compositions, and trying to find that in people and find that in moments, and you know, a lot of things hit you know, hit the, you got to hit the delete button a lot because you don't get it. But when you do, it's just, it's sometimes it's breathtaking the things that you can, a person can move in a millisecond in a way that is just, it's just remarkable. And that's what I look for the most.
0: Do you find that you, you find a, a setting and then you wait for a subject? It's a little bit of both. Uh,
1: you know, I, I keep notes of great locations. You know, I drive around all the time um i go into i i've been discovering and rediscovering my city over and over again like literally every time i'm in my car i'll say okay what part of philadelphia have i never been in that fits with what i'm talking about and i'll go through you know a neighborhood at different times before i decide to even shoot i'll just you know take notes and find places that are unique like they're you know, I just found this amazing wall of all these various blue splotches of, of, you know, paint. And it's whoever owns this this wall doesn't care about color continuity.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're they making this unique patchwork over the graffiti that happens. And it's all these levels of, you know, cold blues and bold blues and everything in between. And it's gorgeous. And I love it. You know, I, I'm just watching it to see when the right time would be to just wait to, one, when's the best light? And two, when do the most people come by? So you can find these locations, but then you might be in the middle of no man's land. And, you know, I'll keep record of it and say, okay, well, maybe this is something if I do a fashion shoot or, you know, somebody asked me for, you know, a portrait in the style that I shoot. I can take them there because... Some of these places, there no one's ever walking by, you know, or or it's so rare that I've never caught it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, you had a uh, an encounter with uh, Jamel Shabazz, a former yeah. guest of the show, and just a, a legendary photographer. And y- your communication with him was very influential. Tell us about that.
1: Well, it it was my aha moment when <laughs> speaking with him the very first time was probably the it literally set the flame and you know i was i was in brooklyn like i said i was walking around just kind of just taking shots And, and it wasn't really there was there wasn't a lot of form or thought to it it was just kind of i i need to do this but then there was no no why or no direction to it and uh he was at Mokata for a group show um and trying to remember the other artists that were there but uh, it was makata and at the time my, my girlfriend at the time was like you know you should go it would it would be great for you to you know see this work it's i was like yeah you know it's right around the corner it's no big deal i you know i definitely would love to you know see what's happening and i caught wind that he would be there and i had already you know been accustomed to his work and you know it was truly a you know, I idolize his work. I idolize his 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 presence. At that moment, I was just like, Oh my God, this is gonna be you know, this is gonna be deep.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you
1: know. So I get there and he's there and I'm totally starstruck. You know, I, I didn't even know what to do at first, but I, I worked up the nerve to, you know, break into this crowd of people that were around him to just introduce myself. And somehow we got on the subject of Philly and Germany and he, he was in the military uh, in Germany at the same time, my family uh, was in Germany as well. And, you know, he loves Philadelphia. He's, 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 you know, he was just like, man, Philly guys got this kind of, you know, this way about them. And it was making me feel really good to hear him, you know, really dig Philly. So we, you know, we had this great conversation and then, what changed it all was he was like, you know, well, what are you doing tomorrow? And it was my birthday. You know, I was like, oh, it's my birthday tomorrow. You know, I'm just kind of like taking it easy. He said, well, you know, let's hang out, you know, meet me over at Prospect Park. (laughs) I was like, are you serious? You know, like it was, it was probably the best news or thing that anyone could have said to me. And that's when everything changed. And, from that first moment of just being around him and then he, watching him engage with people, the, 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 I get love mm-hmm. from yeah. – I get giving love from Brother Shabazz. He taught me that. He taught me that you can't approach people in, in any other way. And that was – a lot of people will wonder, well, what was the photographic skill he taught you? It wasn't that. It, there was, it was just how to be a better person was really what it came down to how to be genuine and kind and giving and th- there's this sense of spirituality about him like i really feel like if he was born maybe 30 years prior he would have been you know right alongside malcolm and martin and stokely i really do like he's just there's there's a a, a magnitude of spirituality and and calm and Confidence that he can give a person. And that's what he gave me. He gave that to me right when I needed it most. And having him break down his, you know, I, I have one of the books with me. I had, um, it wasn't a time before a crack. It was, um, I, I can't remember which one, but I, he, bro- he broke down everything. And he was telling me about every photo and every person in every photo. And that impressed me a great deal because I then learned all of his experiences, and I learned that that's something that I had to carry over into my work. And I looked at it as a legacy kind of statement. I, I saw him in, in what he was giving me. It's like you know, goes James Vanderzee, Gordon Parks, Jamel Sibath. It's like, oh wow, you know, like it it hit me that way. Like this is important for for the entirety of of black culture to be able to do this and that's what prompted me to start really taking it seriously and really shooting and and bringing more to it so i give him credit <laughs> for ig- ig- igniting that on oh,
0: you know? that's awesome you know when i take a look at some of your photographs you reveal the beauty in some of your subjects and I think some of these people are just very ordinary, that people normally would not give them a second look. But within the context of your frame, you just make them incredibly arresting. Uh, and I really admire that about about your work, how you use everything in terms of the color, the light, the composition in order to be able to do that. But I wonder, how, how do you see yourself differently now, especially as a black man, as a result of, Drawing out the beauty in others, because the camera, to some extent, is a, a reflection of yourself. How mm. how is your attitude or your perception of yourself changed as a result of all those work that you've done?
1: Wow, that, that's a cool question, man. Um, I'm I'm definitely more confident as as I've as I've grown into this role. Um, I didn't f- at first set out to to be a photographer. Or an activist, or, you know, I I didn't see it. I I just didn't see it. And and you know, there was a. I had a great deal of personal torment when it came to art. You know, I was always an artist first, and you know, you're very sensitive about your work. You're, you know, the nature of even sharing your work for critique. Um, it's tough. It's tough on. It's tough on you and I'd never had any measure of success in, in the art world at all and to embrace photography meant that I would have to and, and share it and immediately share it onto some you know social media platform was in a way for me to shed that fear and and to always be sort of open and ready for a critique that could, you know, build you up, and, you know, getting, you know, some of the some of the greatest shooters that are out now to, you know, lay their opinion, you know, on your work, it's it's like steel sharpening steel all the time, and eventually I began I began to, I I just started to feel more comfortable and confident, and, you know, that there was less. Worry that I would carry out with me, and that's not not just when I'm going out to shooting to to, to to go shooting. Less worry in general, you know. There's a, I feel more, I feel stronger now than I ever have, and it's it's a good feeling, you know. It really is a good feeling, and I I just I I thank every single person who's ever you know known that they've been in a shot of mine or, you know, not known, you know, it has helped me build up a level of character and compassion. And it just, it just makes me feel like a better person to to be able to share this work. And then I try, I, I try, I try to keep myself away from, you know, a lot of it. I don't want it to be about me, but it is about me. I, I, you know, if I didn't make it to this space at the right time to take that photo, it may not have. That moment may, you know, there's moments right now that are happening because I'm in the house that are happening that hopefully some other photographer is getting, you know. But just being able to capture moments and and to see the reaction, you know, that it, that it can bring to people is amazing. It makes me, I'm very proud of it. And that level of pride is something that I want to give back every time I'm stepping out. So that's the confidence and the pride has helped me be more in tune in that way.
0: Yeah. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why?
1: Mm. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> oh man! Oh gosh! Wow! Oh, another photographer that I admire. Jeez!
0: <laughs>
1: I'm really kind of like because I, 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 my mind literally just went from one side of uh, the world to the other. Um, there's one gentleman who, who 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 inspired me to to be better in the space. Nima Edibar. I think he's he's awesome.
0: And, and what are, what is it about his work that that resonates with you so much?
1: He's he's well traveled for a young man, that's for sure. He's gotten around the world a few times, and he, I I like how he can. He's not a candid shooter. He's a he's a portrait shooter. That's he's able to capture just just a moment so crisply. Like it, he just. He gets it. He gets people. And I like I, I can never do what he does <laughs> because we have very different ways of approaching things. But he is – the way he sees people, there's, there's a closeness, and intimate sort of space that he, he gets one step closer to a person. And it seems like for being able to step one step closer, he gets more out of it. There's, there's so much soul in this stuff you know he captures a, a real unique sense of soul i like i like what he does i really do I, i've always <laughs> I've, I've always appreciated his his work yeah, i i did a show in philadelphia and then he did a show in the same space after that and he knocked it out the park. Like my first show, it was okay, but then he came in and just like killed him. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, you know?" But it made me really just kind of like I had to step up and be like, "Okay, you know, he made me think more about presentation." And he's super humble and super just just a sweet dude, you know? Like he's just nice, but you also know like, you know, he can handle himself too. Yeah yeah you know, I, I like him a lot i like him a lot and i i respect him a lot is a is a real as you know i respect him a great deal um <laughs> i would i would probably say he would be the most interesting cat to talk to because of his experience um you know he traveled the world for apparently from what i can tell just looking at it it looks like three years or so oh, of his right. life he spent just traveling around the world. And you know it's 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 diametrically opposed to what I've done, which is I'll travel along ninety five or over into Oakland or you know down down south or whatever, and then I'm you know moving in smaller, tighter spaces, so I mean you know we're like opposites but I really see him as a, a unique, unique type of brother in, in the struggle to, to tell a story about about the rest of this world.
0: That's pretty cool.: well where people, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do?:
1: um well, currently I'm, I'm all on uh, Instagram. Uh, I'll, I'll be putting a site together. Uh, it'll be launching uh, second week of October. Um, really, everything that I do has been on Instagram. Um, there's been a lot of requests to get me to have a website and I'm like, you know, I'll do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, I, I I kinda held off on on wanting to have a website because I like being out shooting and not managing social media. So Amen. But um I'm on I'm on Instagram, uh underscore X S T. Uh said as exist, but X S T is where is where everything kind of is happening now. My um uh, my website will be uh, uh, up there soon, so they could check me out there <laughs> in in a couple of weeks. It'll, it'll probably launch on the twelfth, is what we're we're shooting for, uh, October twelfth.
0: Oh, great! Well, I look forward to it.
1: Thank you. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely send you a link to check it out.
0: Well, brother, thank you so much. I really enjoyed starting my. Thank you, man.
1: I, look, I appreciate the good, the really good questions, man. Thanks, <laughs> and and just the, just the opportunity to. You know share my story so thank you so much for letting me do that
0: yeah i mean the the work is just just amazing and uh yeah i just um uh i grew up in a community like that you know and when i go visit my mom i see that world and i see it you know changing in much the same way your your area is changing mm. you know and it's like um you just want to hold
1: on to the memory because it for me you know <laughs> It's it. It started out with when I got back to Philly. I just wanted to, it, you know, in my heart of hearts, I was like, you know, traveling through West Philly a lot and recontextualizing and and repairing my memories of my youth. And that's a, a lot of people are like, man, you're out in West Philly a lot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm I'm just going to the places that I remember. You know, um, a lot of times if, if I don't have a a set neighborhood to go to, I'm just in West Philly, just walking the same streets that I did when I was a kid, when I first got here. And, you know, when we first uh, came back from Germany and all, it was, you know, everything was very new and exciting. And, and I, I, you know, I remember it, but, you know, I can go back there now and I still see, I still see a lot of that stuff you know there the architecture hasn't changed that much on the outskirts of the bottom you know into the belmont neighborhood so you know it it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to walk back to where you're from yeah and and just kind of capture it all again and i'm i'm hoping that you know it means something to the people in my like it, i hope it means something to the people in my family and you know i'm i'm hoping it kind of bridges a gap you know that that's been there for a while. Like you know, just there's there's those that know and those that don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm hoping that I can share, you know, with, with them. You know, it's, it's it's a labor of love. It really is. You know.
0: Well, and it shows. And, and one of the other things I, I like is that you afford your subject so much dignity. I think a lot mm-hmm. a lot of us are um, seeing photographs of people, you know, photographed in these very same um, uh, communities. You know, but yeah. there's a there's a separation between the photographer and the subject that's really evident in the photographs, you know? Yeah, you got
1: to get down on the ground. I tell people all the time, you, you can't shoot from your car 24 hours a day <laughs> or, you, you know what I mean, or you can't zip by. You, you got to put boots on the ground and, you know, walk into the bars and the barbershops and talk to people. Yeah. People need to know what the heck you're doing. You know, they need to know. I think it's just a measure of respect yeah. too, that if you're going to be in a neighborhood and and capturing you know moments or you know taking pictures, I think you should talk to the people, let them know what you're about. I, I you know, I see a lot of people kind of wandering the hood, so you know, quote unquote the hood, and you know they they're sticking out because it's like, man, you know, what are you doing here, <laughs> you know, and what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> and And you know it's it's very invasive, it's very invasive to just poke your nose into someone's home, and yeah oh, you yeah. know the home isn't just what happens behind the door, you know it's what's happening out on the avenue you know and and I'm I'm very big on that like you know I've seen other shooters walking around I'll walk over to them like yo you, you know have you spoken to anyone do you know where you are right now like <laughs> do you know it's really not a good idea to have your camera just out in your hand right now <laughs> like <laughs> you know like could you you know take the time to learn your environment you know if you if you're coming for the the right reasons you yeah. know if you're coming for you know something that's you know pure of heart then okay, cool. You know, I'll help. But if it's just coming snatch, like snatch, and I, you know, like just odd pictures of you know people in desperation, or yeah. you know poverty, yeah. or that sort of abject poverty shot that people try to get a lot of, that I, I I'm never about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I just you know it's like poverty porn, and there's it, just a, is this a whole segment of the internet. You know that wants that, you know they they want to see the worst of it, you know, and, and and they're comfortable, you know, to see it from the distance. That the that that holding it in your hand or on Instagram gives gives you that comfortable distance, you know, and and that's you know it's just not something I want for my work. I don't want to I don't want to see that represented in my work.
0: Amen. You know, there's
1: no beauty in seeing a man laying on the ground at all. Oh, no. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, I teach a couple of street photography workshops, and that's one of the things I impress on them is I don't want to see any pictures of homeless people unless you took the time to talk to them.
1: Yeah. Spend some time with them and then bring me the photos Mm -hmm. of you being in the experience of. That's a different thing. You know? If you're going to spend time, if you're going to live the life, if you're going to bring a measure of understanding and change to it that way. Great. You know, if it's, if it's documenting to create change, then great. But if it's just look at the humanity of this, you know, (laughs) you could miss me with that every single day,
0: you know. Thanks again for joining me. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at the other And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. The Candid Frame is a member of TWIP, a network of photo-related podcasts. You can find more great shows on your favorite topic by visiting thisweekinphoto.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.